Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. I am here to continue with our sermon series on Straight to the Heart, Guarding the Wellspring of Life. And we're on week four, Permission in Community. Uh, this morning, I was doing a few changes on my sermon notes, <laughs> and the electricity went off. But that was not the problem. That was not the problem. So I do my notes, and I thought, man, Apple is phenomenal. I did my work, and as soon as the electricity comes on, and I took my iPad to sync the two because I wanted to speak from my iPad tonight, what happened is a screen appeared that says, do you want to sync your files? And I pressed the wrong button. And I lost everything. Oh, man. I'm telling you, I cannot tell you. That moment, the relationship between me and Apple changed. <laughs> Suddenly, inside of me, there was an anger that raged against ESCOM. <laughs> and that lion wants to come out. But man, that I had to constrain myself. And I had to constrain myself. And my wife congratulated me. She says, honey, you have handled that well. <laughs> I have grown over the years. If you've been with me, if you walk with me as close as my wife did, then you would know why she was saying that I handled that well. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in my life. So tonight when we continue talking about straight to the heart, we're going to talk about relationships and relationships with one another and within the context of community. Wow, community is just such a beautiful gift from the Lord. And uh, we're going to read tonight from our scripture reading. It's coming from Gal Galatians 5, verse 13 to 26. And uh, I'm just going to fall in there and just read it for you. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is filled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, what's out that you are not consumed by one another? But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposites to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fit of anger, rivalries, disorder, Dissension. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> There's a lot of S's there. <laughs> Division and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, but there's a but. There's a but. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envy, envy. thank you very much, one another. Oh my goodness. I was so tempted to read the whole book of Galatians to you. <laughs> because when we speak about relationships, Galatians is all about relationships. The whole book is starting off with a relationship. Of a relationship that started to deteriorate. A relationship that started to deteriorate between Paul and Galatians. Because some people have started to spread rumors and Paul has to introduce himself and defend his apostleship from the beginning. And then we see that other relationships started to influence this relationship within this community. And we saw because they did not have good boundaries, they even stray from the gospel. When we walk in relationship, it is important to know, Paul is reminding us that we either approach relationship in two ways. Either as a free man or as a slave. Paul is speaking in this whole epistle. It's one of his most emotional epistles. Because Paul has planted this church. He has labored so hard in this congregation, in this community building relationships. And now there's a deterioration within this community in relations. And Paul is almost angry and he, he ends off his letter and he says, look with my big hands I have written. Paul actually took the pen from his scribe and he writes in his own hand to show how passionate he is about this congregation. Now Paul could have easily said when he, he said that they would want to devour one another to say, man, this thing is not working, let's just close it down. But no, Paul is contending, fighting for relationship. And in this whole book, he gives us actually the answers. How do we encounter relationships within community? How do we restore relationships in, in, in community? How do we fight for relationships in community? And I so love Paul and this letter of him. Paul is absolutely fighting for relationship. He, he continuously used the words of brothers to emphasize that community is a close bond. He's referring to the plural nouns of you, we, us. It is, it is us. And Paul is, is referring to how God has called them as a community together. Paul is deeply concerned with, the, with where the Galatians' hearts is at this moment. That they have not guarded their hearts well, and that this actually starts to impact them now deeply. As I was reading through this book of Galatians, I, I was just researching a little bit, and I bumped onto this article. I really need to read it for you. Uh, it's a study that was being done, and it's called Stronger Relationships, Stronger Health. 
and it's by Better Health Channel. And it's the summary of the, the whole article is as follows. He said, the summary of the article was, having friends and other social connections is good for your, for your health and well-being. The number of strength the number and strength of your relationships affect your mental and physical being. Being lonely or isolate can affect your mental, emotional, and physical health. Older people who remain connected with other... Oh, that's now me. I'm older. Older people who remain connected with others and have stronger relationships are likely to have a better quality of life. Man, I seriously want that. The benefits of social connection and good mental health are numerous. Lower rates of anxiety, lower rates of depression, lower, higher self-esteem, greater empathy, and more trust. Cooperative relationship. Stronger and healthy relationships can also help to strengthen your immune system. Are you struggling with flu? <laughs> Get some good relationships around you. Help to recover from diseases and may even lengthen your life. Isn't the, the Ten Commandments say, honor your father and your mother, and I will add days to your life? The good news is that while many of these benefits can make you happier and more content, the flow-on effect is that people around you will want to spend time with you. I have two adult children, left the home. One is in Cape Town, one is in Durban. You know what is the most precious thing for me? Is that they want to be with me. Those kids, they... They find moments to say, Dad, I want to be with you. I don't have to fight or contend for it. I don't have to, to manipulate them. <laughs> I don't have to, to force them to do that. That's something they want to do. And as a father, it would have been deeply concerned for me if my kids would not want to spend time with me. And therefore, I'm very grateful. Very grateful for relationship. And I think when Paul talks about relationships with the Galatians, right through the whole book, he's using these two opposites with one another to explain that we're either free or we are slaves. And I think what I so appreciated from that video, that castle there is the Cape Coast Castle in Ghana. It was one of the greatest or one of the biggest exports of slaves out of West Africa. And those black doors there was called the gates of no return. And once you, once a slave go through that black doors, they never return back. And that's why it calls the black, the doors of no return. The horror stories, what those slaves has to endure has wrecked almost my life. I think the thing that really struck me the most when I was at that castle is that the church is built on top of the entrance to the dungeon where the slaves would go in. On a Sunday morning, the church will worship and the slaves will be ushered into the dungeons below them. And that picture just does not make sense. 
It really does not make sense. And uh, that gives me a little bit of understanding of what a slave goes through. Slavery is a lucrative, manipulative, manipulative and controlling system. And once you're under a system like that, you have no reference other than that. And Paul is saying that we can either approach relationships as a congregation, as slaves, who has been exposed to what will I benefit or what will this benefit me? How will I manipulate my way to find it? Or how will I control situations to benefit? And Paul says, slaves think like that. They would think and walk into a relationship and think, what can I benefit from this relationship? What is this relationship going to mean to me? And you see, the, the sad thing is sometimes we approach spiritual community like that is, what is this going to benefit me? What am I going to get from this? And after a while, I don't get anything from it. And I get discouraged. Relationships doesn't work as well as I thought it wanted to be. And anxiety starts to creep in. Depression starts to creep in. Illness starts to creep into my life because I have approached this from what can I get from this relationship. And Paul is saying that you can either do that. <laughs> it says, oh, Galatians, you've been bought. You're free. And the way that the free man is being operating is a free man has the choice of who's leading him. It was a sad moment in our history as a nation when many of us was discriminated against, has not given the right to vote and to choose who is leading us. That's a form of slavery. And I thank God for the transformation that started to happen in our nation. I thank God for what has happened in this nation. But it is now your choice to choose who's going to lead. And as a nation, we vote together who needs to lead us. You see, Paul is saying, as a free man, I actually have the freedom to choose who leads me. He says, and, and I need to be wise in who I choose to lead me. He says, I need the Holy Spirit to lead me. And to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Because when I, as a free man, there is fruit that will be delivered in my, or grow in my life. You see, a slave only knows how to work. He's been driven to work. This is his understanding. And when we approach relationships, spiritual community, with that kind of attitude... We are becoming man-pleasers. Because we think that we need to win people's favor. And we start to work for, for man's pleasure or for, 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 for affirmation. And we seek affirmation. And we actually become a draining asset to that relationship. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you. Now the words of the place are evident. 
You know, Paul is using it when he speaks about a slave. He's talking about works. When he's speaking about a free man, he speaks about fruit. A slave only knows how to work. And sometimes the sad thing is, is that people find themselves in relationships, in abusive relationships. And the only thing that they know to do in that relationship is to think, I have not done enough. That's why I deserve what I deserve. And that's why they stay in an abusive relationship. And why they endure it, because they look at us from a slave perspective and says, but I have not done enough to make this relationship work. I have not worked hard enough. I have not gained or worked my way towards a better relationship. You see, a free man lives by choice. A free man is a man who lives within a society. I love the, the definition that I found. It says a free man is a person who is free, a person who enjoys personal, civil, and political liberty. A free man enjoys or is entitled to citizenship. You see, we can only be free, really, within a community. Our freedom is expressed within a community. Our freedom is expressed within a spiritual family. And that is why Paul is contending for these relationships, because your freedom sits within this community. And God wants to take you to a place of freedom. He wants to break down the shackles to, and, and, and let you be free. And He can only achieve that within a community. But it, is, it requires something of us. Our freedom in Christ is not built upon works, but service. Paul goes on when he says, A free man, he says, For you are called for free, uh, uh, to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is filled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, for Paul, a free man is not a, free, is not a man that needs to work. It's a man who serves. It's a man that says, not what can this relationship benefit me, but what can I bring to this relationship? A free man thinks, what can I, what can I bring to this relationship to make it flourish, to make it grow, to make it better? And Paul is saying that is what the attitude of a free man is. It is to bring relationships to its fullness. A free man does not do works but produce fruit. Fruit that strengthens and builds relationships. I love what he says in Galatians 5 verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it's going on. But if you think about all of those fruits, those fruits has got relational aspects to it. Those fruits only work within relationships. And God is saying that a free man has got fruit that will impact that relationship and strengthen that relationship. Well, so this is what Paul says. He says we can either approach, relate to a relationship in two ways. We can come in and think like a slave or we can live like free men in a community. You see, the sad thing is we approach God in the same way. We will come and say, God, I give you my life. 
But what am I going to benefit from this? And when God does not jump as I ask Him to jump, I get pretty upset with Him. And I walk out of spiritual family. I start to turn my back on Him. And I go through my tantrums and hope that God will see my way. It doesn't work like that, friends. It does not work like that. But Paul says there's a way we can resolve this matter. It's a way we can resolve it. He says, it all starts. And all of you sit on the front of your seats to hear what I'm about to say now. Because all wants to hear what this answer is. Paul says, it all starts with you. It starts with me. I cannot dictate how people will behave. I cannot dictate how they're going to speak to me. I cannot dictate if they bear fruit or not. But it starts with me. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14 Now Paul took this from the law. He says you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now you see, we, we as humans think now this gives us the permission to love ourselves more. You see, that, we think that gives us the permission not to love our neighbors because I don't love myself enough yet. But what Paul is saying is, no, 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 no. Galatians, you've got it wrong. You love yourself already too much. You're obsessed with yourself already too much. You loved yourself already much. Just love others that way. The way you love yourself, love others that way. But I love Jim. I really do enjoy my gym. But there's one thing, man, that I really struggle when I've been in the gym. As soon as I go to the bathroom and I find these men flexing before the mother, it's like, man, you're obsessed. <laughs> that just really struggles with me. It's like that you can be so obsessed with your body. People love themselves already so much. You don't need to teach them how to love themselves. Paul reminded us that when the law tells us to love others, it does not grant us the permission to love ourselves more or excuse ourselves from loving others till we master the ability to love ourselves better. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own works. Paul says, to resolve this matter, Galatians, it starts with you, with each one of you. He says, think a little bit less about yourself. And he's using this and he says, restore others. You know, the greatest growth that I experience as a Christian in my life is when I edify others. When I reach out and restore and help others. 
and take the eyes of myself a little bit away. I have found God really use those moments just to grow me. Grows me in a relationship with Him, but also with others. The other thing is keep watch on yourself. When we help others, we have actually the ability to watch over ourselves. Lest we too be tempted. We suppose support and endure one another. When Paul says, he says, bear one another's burdens, is that we support and endure one another. It's paying attention to someone else. What is this so fulfilled, the law of Christ, that Paul is talking about? I thought we free men then. I thought we free. What is this law that Paul is on about? How oh, we find it in Galatians uh, sorry, in John 13, verse 34 and 35. And all my verses is from the ESV Bible. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Paul is saying to fulfill the law of Christ is to love one another as Christ have loved us. Paul is saying, don't be ignocentric. Examine your heart. Test your works. Bear your own load. Take responsibility for your faults. Bear your own load. Take responsibility for it. Don't blame other people for being bad at relationships or, or messed up in relationships, own what you do wrong. Take responsibility for that, Paul is saying. He says, do not put the blame on someone else, but focus on yourself and take responsibility what you are guilty for. Paul is helping us to resolve the matters in Galatians by giving us some great tips. Examine your heart. Be self-aware. Be self-aware. Paul is saying we can resolve this matter. He says we can only relate in two ways. Either as a slave or a free man. And we can resolve this matter. We can restore relationships. When we focus more on others. And less on ourselves. And Paul is saying that the way that we will approach relationships. We will reap according to that. You are reaping anxiety, depression, loneliness, and despair in relationship. If that's the case, you are starting to inspect. You need to start to inspect the seeds that you are sowing. In Galatians 6, verse 6 to 10, Paul's going on and he says, Let, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to the one to the own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Friends, there's only one thing that we will be able to take to heaven. And now you're gonna say, Ha, oh, Pastor Tim, you don't read your Bible. The Bible says we came in naked. Naked we will leave. You clearly hasn't read your Bible. 
Friends, believe me, there's only one thing that you will take to heaven. What is that one thing? Well, bad seed produces a bad crop. I grew up as a young man on a farm, as a boy. And I, my dad taught me this. He would take me to, his, to the barn and he would show me the seed and he say, Son, you see, this is a great seed. We cannot plant with other seeds. Because the seed that we use will determine the crop that we will harvest. Man, I miss that man. I loved him so much. And you know what? I saw that. When my, when my dad kind of used that seed, we had a great crop that, we have, that was produced. Bad seed produces bad crop. Good seed produces a good harvest. Paul reminds of the kind of seed that we will produce eternal life is too slow, is to sow to the Spirit. What is this one thing? What is this one thing that we will take to heaven? It's relationships. It's the only thing that you would be able to take with. What a glorious day that would not be when I stand before the King of Kings and I say, Jesus, I have met him. I have met her. I had the opportunity to minister to them. I sure know I want to take my wife with me. And therefore, I need to invest in this relationship. I need to plow. I need to work in this relationship. I need to be less in this relationship. I know I want my children to be there. I know I want to see you all there. I want to see my spiritual family there. I want to see my community there. I want to see the, the entire world be there. Therefore, we need to choose what we sow. Do you know what a greenhouse is? A greenhouse is a safe haven to, for plants. It reduces the access, accessibility of insects and animals that have the potential to damage or destroy your plants. This greenhouse environment reduces exposure to extreme weather conditions such as tor torrential rain and droughts, heavy rains and drought. You know what? Spiritual family is a greenhouse. Is a greenhouse for the fruit of the Spirit. God places us in a spiritual family like this. And man, are we going to step on one another's toes? Are we going to rub shoulders? And Paul is reminding us there is no giving up on this. Amen. We are committed to this. And the only way that we're going to grow this fruit is when we stay and stick together and we sort out our stuff. We own our stuff. We apologize. We've been leased in this relationship. After 29 years, my wife and myself have the moments in our days where we would come to the door and no one will enter. 
And I would say to her, you first, honey. No, you first, honey. No, you first, honey. Can someone just walk? (laughs) But it's becoming less. Becoming less and set my wife before myself. This is what relationship is within spiritual community. is setting others before myself. Serving one another. Man, we are going to wrap those. We are going to bump shoulders. But man, this is where God wants to grow those fruit in your life. This is the greenhouse of God where He gives you a safe space to grow those fruits so that when you go out there to the harsh environment, when people taste those fruits, they would say, man... I have tasted and see that the Lord is good. I have tasted and I love the fruit that I taste. I give me some of those fruit. Amen. You see, <laughs> I, I, I was teaching yesterday our discovery group. We, we were doing a, a disciple, discipleship, uh, making disciples course. And, and I was teaching them on how to go and use some certain tools of evangelizing. And you know what? Evangelism can be sometimes a little bit intimidating. If you give a person a, 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 a God taste and says, go and evangelize, their eyes are just as big. So we need to introduce people slowly and give them an environment to grow in. So I said, friends, this is your weekly assignment. Take this God taste and go test it on a friend. Preferably a believer. Someone who would not object or give you a hard time, but just get comfortable of sharing the gospel and the certain elements of the gospel. Now, this greenhouse that Jesus has given us, man, this is a great opportunity for us to grow those fruit that the Holy Spirit has bring forth. So I want to encourage you. And this is why Paul is not dismantling this congregation, but he says there is a way we can resolve this. It is what we're going to sow is what we're going to reap. And I want you to start sowing differently. If you start, if you in your relationship or some of your relationships, you've been sowing and sowing and sowing and there's nothing coming from it, Paul says, don't grow weary. He says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap. Man, sow. Sow kindness. (laughs) Sow joy. So patient, self-control. Because in due season, you will reap. Because people will taste that fruit. And say, man, God is good. God is good. Hey, Paul. You are working us tonight. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. You see, friends, sometimes we pray for our friends to come to know Jesus. Sometimes we ask Jesus, Lord, save my friends. Save my family. And what we sow is not the fruit of the Spirit. And you are actually God's answer to that prayer. He wants you to sow the fruit of the Spirit. When people start to taste that kindness, when they taste love, self-control, then they say there's something different here. I always think about baptism as a rusk that has been dunked into coffee. In my days, I loved rusk. 
I don't eat rice that often anymore. I have to look for special ones. But anyway, I love to dunk my rusk in coffee. Because as soon as I dunk it in, that biscuit is hard and dry, and it tastes like nothing. Man, it is, that's, that's, that's a waste of bread, right? <laughs> but man, when it's drying, you dunk it into that coffee, it soaks up that coffee or that tea. And it tastes like that coffee and tea, and the flavor is just incredible. And it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that my cookie's so good. <laughs> when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are immersed into the things of God, and people taste it. says, man, I didn't know cookies that that dry can be so good. I want to be dunked. I want to be dunked into God. I want to be dunked into the Holy Spirit. I want to taste like Him. Friends, Paul is saying, you can only relate in two ways with one another. 46 years that I'm following Jesus. My former years was not as good as the later, as the later part. There was still a lot of slave mentality that Jesus had to broke down in my life. But man, did he, has he been patient with me? Has he put me in a relationship with a phenomenal human being? And has shaped me. And it was not always easy. But man, he used that to make me, to shape me, to bear fruit in my life. How he puts sons and daughters in my life that has shaped me, that helped to bear fruit. And sometimes he had, to, he had to prune a little bit more so that I can become a bit more fruitful. And that was not easy moments. He put me in a spiritual family. And man, do I love this family. But man, did I have moments that Jesus had to prune me <laughs> to become more fruitful. Jesus puts us in family and in community. And all, all of us is going to see life the same way. A man he wants to make us. He wants us to make us to glorify him and to become like him. To bear his image in this world. So that when people taste us that they would say, the Lord is good. I have tasted and see that the Lord is good. As we conclude, can you stand with me to your feet as we're going to pray? Can I uh, ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Um, there's relationships in your life that just brings you to a place of anxiety. I want to pray for you if there's relationships in your life that bring you to a place of despair and stress and depression. I want to bring that to Jesus right now. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this is a safe environment. 
Even my eyes is closed right now. And I ask you to raise your hands and say, Jesus, I surrender these relationships to you right now. Lord, do a great thing in these relationships. Bring forth revival into this relationship. Give us the grace, Jesus, to sow well. Jesus, let there be much fruitfulness on our relationships. Change anxiety to into peace and joy. Change it into love and kindness, O oh Lord. Give us the grace to be self-controlled and patient. Hosea, Hosea, Hosea 10 verse 12 to 14 says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up the fallow ground, ground that hasn't been worked for a while. For it is this time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Maybe there's some relationships that just need to be worked, that you haven't spent time with, that has become fallow. Jesus, break the ground. Give us the grace. Give us the strength. Thank you, Lord.